but it was also like a joke. You know, I was 13. What the heck do I know about sex? I didn't know what I was doing. So it was like, look at this little girl. She's doing it wrong. And they would laugh and they would mock. And it was just the funniest thing for them. And it was embarrassing because I'm like, why am I doing this? Hey, listeners. Welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made it to headlines. Maybe they weren't believed. And you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us. And remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community and I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful and in spite of what you're going through or what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that and there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter and your story matters always. Taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining us today at Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast. Today, we have something special and different for you all. And we're going to share a story by Sabrina Lopez. And it's specifically about commercial sexual exploitation of children, what we also call CSEC or CSE commercial sexual exploitation. One of the biggest crimes being committed right now that is severely overlooked is internet-based exploitation. It could be digital crimes, sexting, pornography. A lot of people understand the terms of being blackmailed, being exploited for money or place to stay, for drugs, something in exchange for something that's in a sexual nature. Sabrina is a mother of seven girls She's a wife, and she's committed to her church community, as well as she is doing anti-trafficking work. She is working with survivors daily in hopes of creating a safe house, something to be a safe place for survivors, male, female, young, older. And most importantly, she's representing Girls Speak Up. This is her organization. This is her platform. This is a way for her to be able to reach out to more survivors that are silenced, that are not being heard. But I want you all to really pay attention to today's episode. It's going to talk about a C-sex scenario that is very common. As I work with the kids in the shelter, boys, girls, trans, allies, we are becoming more and more aware of the different types of exploitation. Sabrina's case is very scary 
she was recruited not only at a mall by peers her age, around her age. She also was groomed by a potential male who was saying and calling her his girlfriend. But she was constantly being exploited. Please take a listen and learn as we raise awareness of commercial sexual exploitation of children. I just love the fact that you're here, Sabrina. Yes. Yeah. So I have some I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah, so. so I would love everyone to kind of get to know who you are. I stumbled upon your fabulous Instagram page, Girl Speak Up. So you know I need to start with that because yeah. I and with an exclamation mark because people tell me I talk with too much emphasis and I always end everything even when I'm texting with the exclamation. So I'm just connected in that way in itself. So I can imagine the great things that you have going on with that. And then, you know, obviously we'll get into your story. But other than that, it's, it's really about your journey and where you are because we, we've had so many interviews already, which one is a, not a lot, right? One is enough. But I want to get the stories out there to not just educate people, but Man, we need to flood the media, flood the world, the listening ears, like the podcast world, that these yeah. instances, these stories are happening. And oh, you absolutely. can't pick and choose what y'all want to hear. You can't pick and choose what conspiracy theory you want to follow. We have actual survivors here that you wouldn't even believe their story like yourself and then know what you're doing now. Right. No, I, I love that. I love that so much because I feel like what's highlighted now especially in like social media and what people think of you know trafficking they're thinking of the movie taken and although that is an awesome movie that is not it you know there's so much more to that and I think with my story my story is so different than a lot of survivor stories like it is very different and um and not that it's like oh my gosh my story is the best because you know everybody's everyone's any survivors are going to cherish their story. That's what we went through. And then this is where we're at now. So I think my story definitely sets apart from the others just because it wasn't your typical, you know, I wasn't at the strip club. I wasn't, you know, prostituted. I wasn't sold. It was literally in a trap house and I had no idea. And it was at an early age. So I think just to start on, you know, with Girl Speak Up, I, Girl Speak Up was something that it literally came from like the end of me, mm. you know, just like feeling like, God, what more? Like, what else can I do? And it literally was the end of me just because I'm new to like sharing my story, you know, even though I've been doing this work for I mean, a long time. I've been doing this for years. But for me to actually feel comfortable and own my story where I have no emotion attached to it anymore, where I can be like, you know what? It is what it is. This is me. That's why I say, like, that's how Girl Speak Up was birthed because it was literally the end of me. Like, I was just over feeling I can't talk to anybody about it. I can't share my story about it. Like, even certain family members still don't know. Like, my mom, she still doesn't know. They have an idea. Right. So they have an idea. She she knows what I do. She knows that I work in anti-trafficking. She knows some of what I went through, 
but because it happened 15 years ago, it was that, that what was labeled was sexual assault or domestic violence. And that was it. And for, for almost seven years, I was okay with being labeled as I was a sexual assault victim. I was in a domestic violence relationship. So I didn't even know, I didn't even identify as a trafficking survivor or, you know, anyone that was in human trafficking until seven years ago. I think that's one of the reasons why my family had no idea amongst other things, which we'll get into. But um, but yeah, Girl Speak Up came from that because I'm just like, it was something I was telling myself, just girl, just speak up, just say Mm. it. Mm. You know, I've been with my husband for, we've been together for like 15 years, married for going on nine. And it's now that I'm starting to talk to him about just a little bit more in depth. And that's a long time to be with someone and not know everything, you know, and that's, that's my life partner. That's my best friend. I feel like that should be someone that should know everything about it, but because that shame hit and that guilt hit, it's just like, that strips me from not speaking up. And that's where I'm saying, it got to that point where I'm just like, I'm not doing this anymore I am going to speak up and that's with everybody so I'm prepared to hear a lot of (laughs) a lot of questions from like family and friends and just like oh my gosh did that really happen to you and I'm like yeah even my best friend my best friend walked through the entire thing with me we were inseparable when we were younger and it was just a couple months ago I was just like yeah um you are kind of the unknown witness Mm. because you were my ride or die through it all, but you had no idea that none of this was happening. And she was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, so you're my unknown witness. And I'm definitely going to do something about that and say something about that because you were there with me throughout it all. I'm over here getting chills, girl, because I'm like living through you. I don't know how old you are, but with my story, that's what happened. Like 15 years later, and I'm working in the anti-trafficking field, right, too. And then finally, I'm just like, I feel like that's why I connected with you because you was like, girl, just speak up, just say it. And then when I was saying it, I was feeling so much better. And everybody came around and it was like, my mom too. She's like, mm, I just thought, mm-hmm. And then, you know, she had all these assumptions and no one really wanted to ask and no one really wanted to investigate it because like you said, it was very much under the umbrella or blanket of sexual assault and domestic violence that many of us experience. And that's why when we even talk, this podcast can resonate with a sex assault survivor because it's not just, well, we talk about the shame, we talk about the guilt, we talk about, you know, we're still bonded to this person, we'd still want to go back. All of these things, it still can connect with everybody. And when you said your life partner, and, and everybody didn't see it before, but we weren't recording, but he was there helping her set up the Zoom and everything. So it's a really good feeling, right? to have somebody in your corner. And I just got done an interview with Jerome and he was just like, man, if it wasn't for my wife and kids, you know, and it's, it's just kind of like we invest that trust in someone. And sometimes we don't get that right person at the right time. Cause we could talk right. all day about unhealthy relationships we had along our journey, but it was really nice to not see, not just to see your husband there and you talk about him, but he's helping you set this up, and you guys are preparing to hear the questions, and now that it's out there, not just because Girls Speak Up is out there, but now that this is going to be out there, your truth 
is out there and can't no one take that away from you no matter what they say because I had people saying oh my god I wish I would have did this and I'm like that was not your burden please don't feel like I would ever want you to have felt that that's not why I didn't tell you but it's something that resonates with us right so I'm right. going to go ahead and agree. mute myself because I already know and be like, oh, my God, girl, what? So I'm going to mute myself and let everyone else do that wherever they're listening. They're going to be in their car, like probably smacking the steering wheel like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, OK, so it all started when I was 13. So, you know, just your typical, typical teenager, I was very insecure with myself like I said I mentioned before I had a best friend she's freaking gorgeous and you know how when you're in that teenage years where you're just like comparing yourself and it you know you want to fit into the cute jeans and you want them to fit you know tight and all that yeah that was not me I was like super super skinny and everything just was baggy and it was just I think that was one of my biggest insecurities was like looking at her and comparing myself so Insecurity was a big thing for me. Along with insecurity, I remember my parents were in a rough patch. My oldest brother, we were super, super close. He was in and out of jail. And it was around the time where I entered into life where they did a home invasion, where the entire street, the feds and everything just raided the house. And I remember watching him and the cop putting him down to the ground and you know arresting him for whatever they arrested him for. But there was a lot of things that were in my life around the time where I felt like, and not to say that my mom was, wasn't there for me because let me just put it out there. I was spoiled. I was the only girl and I was the youngest. So my parents spoiled me. My brother spoiled me. Like everyone spoiled me. I was in, I had private education. So I was in Catholic school, you know, I was on my basketball team. I was in modeling. Like I was doing it all. So I didn't lack anything. I think my biggest vulnerability was the fact that I was just so insecure because I didn't look like the rest. So up north there at the mall during the time, the mall was the hangout spot for the teenagers. So with everything that, I, that was going on with me in school, I was straight A student. My mother, my parents trusted me. So they didn't really, like I wasn't a problem child, you know, it was around the time where, you know, the mall was the newest thing for teenagers. So my best friend and I, we would go to the mall faithfully every weekend. So we went and I remember seeing this, just a big group. It was huge. This group would flood the mall to the point where they were getting kicked out of stores because they were deep going into Best Buy and turning up the radios and literally dancing in the stores. It was crazy, but it was like an innocent party. So I thought, and I remember feeling like, wow, if only I could be a part of that group. They just seemed so fun. And there was cute boys and, you know, like, why not? So little did I know that there were two girls that were watching me watch this specific boy. And, you know, I didn't know that what that was. I didn't know that those were recruiters or those were bottoms. I didn't, I didn't know anything like that. So I thought, you know, one day they did approach me and they approached my best friend and I. And I remember her coming up to me, asking me, oh, you know, you feeling my man's? And I'm thinking, that's just slang, you know, like that was the lingo back then. My boy, my homeboy, my man's, you know, that, that was the lingo. So I'm like, okay, cool. This girl looking out, she's about to put me on. And that's exactly what she said was, I could put you on. And I'm like, 
okay, yeah, no problem. So here I am, 13-year-old girl, getting approached by these two girls, thinking that they're going to play the, you know, the hookup for me, and they're going to hook me up with this 16-year-old, and little did I know that, that wasn't the case. I just took it for what it was, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, they're so cool, they're so sweet. And if anything, these were probably the two most intimidating girls in the bunch, that the fact that they came up to me, there's something about me that's sticking out from the rest. And it was something about me instead of my best friend for a change that they came up to me. And we all know now, like, or we should know that there was nothing about me. It was just my insecurities were screaming at them because they prey on those vulnerabilities. After, I think, a week later, he started talking to me and we're talking. We exchanged numbers. I thought he was just this popular kid. You know, he knew how to dance. He was a good dancer. He would say he was part of, like, the golden gloves were like boxing and he was really good at boxing and all of that so I just thought wow he's like it sounds so lame but like the coolest kid he's just the coolest kid right now and I get to say like that's my boyfriend because that's eventually what it turned into and just like how any relationship in the beginning starts it always starts with you're so this and you're so beautiful and oh my gosh I can't believe we're dating now and it was just this wow, I have a boyfriend and he's the cutest thing ever. And I can't believe that this is really happening. On the same token, I was 13 in private school. So I was not allowed to have a boyfriend. So that was another thing. So couldn't call my house, can only call my cell phone. We can only hang out, you know, on the weekends just because of school and all of that. And that's kind of how we kept it. For him, it was like the perfect, perfect setup. Right. It was just like, okay, cool. Why not? As we, you know, further deeper into our relationship, now it's where I'm like starting to go over his house. And during that time, my best friend was also dating someone who lived maybe 10 minutes walking distance from him. So now the stories would say, oh, mom, I'm going to, you know, my friend's house. And then she would say, oh, I'm going to my friend's house. And because we were so trusted and we were good girls, they'd never check stories, you know, so we just and, went. And he still was a teenager though, right? You, he, he still was 16. Yes. Okay. And how about those two girls at the mall? They were teenagers technically too? Yes. I think okay. one okay. was actually of age. I think one was, wow. I think one was 18, probably the other one was like 17. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, the first time I actually go to his house, I remember it's like in the worst area in downtown Springfield, Massachusetts, where it's like, oh my God, why am I even here? This is super sketch. You can tell that there are drug dealers on the corner. Low-key, you probably think, okay, I may get assaulted any minute now, especially if I'm, you know, walking at night, which a lot of times that's exactly what we're doing because we would take the bus. Walking into that house, and I don't know why I never questioned like this, like, no, run, Sabrina, run. I just looked at it like, okay, maybe he's not, maybe his family's not as fortunate as mine. I was brought up, just don't judge anybody, you know, like, they're hard times, they're probably struggling, you know, so I just, that's kind of how I left it, but it was so, it was just, now just thinking back, it was so wrong, like, so obvious thinking back, and like, we weren't trusting our intuition and our gut, not at all, because we were just so blinded by this new relationship, and you're literally on a high where you think, I have this boyfriend and I'm just the coolest chick in the world right now because he's so, you know, every everyone, any girl would want to date him right now. He was like straight Romeo from the very beginning. Everything was fine. You know, he introduced me to everybody. 
this is my girlfriend, his mother, his sister, everyone, cousin, everyone. But I also remember all his friends had nicknames. So I still to this day don't even know their biological names. I don't know. So I'm just like, okay, well, everybody called each other by their nickname. No big deal. But they were just weird with nicknames. Again, didn't think anything of it just because, you know, it is what it is. You don't want to, you don't want anybody to know your name. Fine. This is like a, and this is like a new crowd for you. So it's like, you're just kind of getting where you fit in, like kind of deal. You're right. not going to try to make a big thing out of something. And you look no. like an obvious newbie and you're no. not really, really riding. If you ask right. questions. Right. And you know, the, at first it was just like, oh, okay, that's not, that's not anything you would question either. It was just like, why are you just giving me your nickname? I don't think they're teenagers, you know? So why not? Hey, listeners, taking a quick break here. It is a lot of information. But as we are talking about commercial sexual exploitation of children, one of the many, many ways that this is occurring continually is through social media, through texting, through gaming. These digital predators are attacking our young people. And I say that to get you all informed and reminded that there are devices now in 2020 that assist us in preventing this exploitation. I talked about it before, but check out Gab Wireless. Right now, there's still a special where you still use our promo code unseen TTT podcast capital letters. You get $10 off $79.99. That's right. They're running a promotion right now where there's 20% off of $99. So you listeners who just want to see how you can help and prevent this from happening or affecting your young people in your life, check out this phone. The most important thing is that there's no internet browsers. There's no social media apps allowed to be even downloaded. So check it out. Go to their website. Use our promo code. The link is in the show notes. We have this from the whole honeymoon stage where we're just like, he's super sweet, whatever. And now this is the first person that I've actually lost my virginity to, which wasn't, it wasn't by force. You know, it was me thinking that he was my boyfriend, but on the same, the same page, because he had other girls, you know, he had already lost his virginity. He told me that. So I'm feeling there's that insecurity again coming up. Like I need to, this is something I have to. And then it was a conversation that kept coming up, you know, like, well, why not? When are you planning on to, you know? And then the ex-girlfriend would call the house and I'm just like, oh, hold up. Wait a minute. Like, what yeah. are we doing here? That pressure. So, it's not even teen yeah. pressure at this point. It's relationship. It's teen dating, you yes. know, sexual pressure. Yeah. Yes. And when teenagers talk about peer pressure and how it's like not a big deal. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, yes, it is. Because that's exactly what got me where yet I'm not supposed to be dating. I'm not supposed to be at this, this boy's house. My mom doesn't even know where I'm at. And then now I'm having conversations about sex when I really don't even know what that is. And here I am just feeling kind of obligated because if not, then I'm looking like the girl who can't hang. And that's a lot of the downfalls when you feel like you don't want to be that person. So I think from that day, the minute I lost my virginity is when it all took a turn for the worst. Because now it's just like, what do I have to work for now? Like, I got her. Say that you know? again, right? Because yes. young girls, that's what they're building up to. You said some good points. You said the honeymoon stage is yes. real. That is 
what we, you know, part of what you said is the grooming stages too. It's like, let's wine and dine and build you up to this fantasy sex and you're my everything. I'm introducing you to everybody. And then like, even in regular relationships right now that kids think that that's healthy, it's, it's really not when you're building up to the sex and there's nothing else after that. And it's right. Really and that. I think a lot of teenagers or just anyone that are, that has been in an unhealthy relationship, please understand that these people that prey on the vulnerable, they will take their time. They don't care how long they have to wait. But the minute you give up the goods, that's it, game over. They don't have to wait anymore. If they can flip that script so quick where now you're just like, how did this happen? How did I get here? Do you remember so, how many months this was? Almost a year. A good eight months. That's, well, I mean, we still got to give you respect in that journey for you being 13. You still had the values in place because a lot of, you know, the misconceptions is that all the, all the young kids and the girls and the boys come from broken homes. They're very vulnerable, which is a very high, you know, high population of the victimized teenagers. But you had values. You, had this, you were breaking the rules in a sense where you weren't telling everyone the truth about what was going on. And look at you. You still didn't fall until like a year and at this point shit everybody everything's good something right. you know something's going good if you if you if you're if he's doing this for a year you would not think that anything can go bad at this point had no idea had no idea but i do remember feeling that day why did i do it it wasn't your typical like when you think of the first time you're losing your virginity you want it to be like pretty again i'm 13 so i really didn't have i didn't know what to expect I knew after it was a mistake because it was just so dirty and disgusting. Looking back at it now, it's just like, oh, Sabrina, what what was wrong with you? It it didn't match the fantasy that he was building and giving you. No, not at all. Obviously. The bed was not on a frame. You know, there was no sheet on the bed. It was like a mattress on the floor. And you you can see back now that the value of what he was wanting was the sex that's it it was just the sex yes. it doesn't need to be respected doesn't need to be treated doesn't need to be on that princess bed it doesn't need to be all that so there was no connection to that fake relationship that he had been working on with you wow nothing nothing now if anybody and if my husband would have come tried that i would be like honey don't try me try jesus okay <laughs> you is not uh, worth i know more my words honey i've already i've uh-uh I'm a daughter of the king. I look, I heard right. that from one survivor. I am a ruby, not a sapphire. <laughs> right. You know, we right. don't want to work right now. <laughs> now we do. But, you know, it was just like, it was just those things that none of it was adding up to me. And it was, I think it was because I was refusing to see it because I was just so caught up into this relationship. You do crazy things when you're in a relationship. You choose what you want to see in a relationship. You choose what you want to hear. You choose how much you will take. So I did not care for, you know, the fact that I lost my virginity on a freaking mattress on the floor with no sheets. I, it, it wasn't like a thing to me, but now it's like, when I talk about it, it's that shame hits and it's just like, oh, why can we not like, let's, let's not put that in my story, but that's what it is, you know? So yeah, after that, then, ooh, child, I remember it just went so bad, so quick to the point where like I said, you know, once he got what he got, there was no need. The respect wasn't needed anymore. Because what, what do I need to respect you for? You know, I got what I wanted. So then the ex-girlfriend would pop up. She would call at all types of time, hours of the day. And I'm like, well, like, why, why does she keep calling? 
Why does she keep coming? He would answer the question once. If I asked the question again, that was the first time I got hit. That's when it was just like, shame on you for questioning me. Like, who are you to question me? And I, I got, I, he hit me and I was just like, what? Did that just happen? Like, did that really just happen? So now that fear is in where it's just like, what do I do with that? I didn't, I remember not knowing what to think, how to look at him. Where do I go? Because I can't just call my mom and tell my mom, hey, come pick me up, you know? So it was just weird. It was just a weird, my, my head was like upside down. I didn't know what to believe. I couldn't believe that that happened. Can I ask? And this is something that I've been kind of doing with the podcast and like people of color. What is the nationalities in this story right now? Hispanic, Puerto Rican. Everyone. So, yeah. Mm. Yep, yep. Everyone that I can, yes. We were all Hispanic, all Puerto Rican, yep. A lot of people don't think it's in their community. And it's not Mm. just a black and white thing or a black with a white, you know, girl Mm. or or vice versa. Wow. Okay. Now, everyone, even the friends, everyone was Hispanic. So that was the first time I got hit was asking him the question. Second time I got hit, I don't even remember what that was, to be honest. But I remember just saying, you know what, screw this. I'm not your punching bag. Like, this is not what we're going to do. Like, that's not happening. So I remember just being so caught off guard again and just grabbing my phone and leaving. I had a bag full of clothes and like sneakers. And I remember there was a dumpster right outside, like in the back. When I tell you he was so mad that I left, this kid took the bag of my clothes, my shoes, put it in the dumpster, like threw it in the dumpster and set the dumpster on fire. I dipped out wanting to just go like, just clear my head for a little bit. My intentions were to go to go back because I mean, where am I going to go? You know? But yeah, he set my clothes on fire. And I remember calling my friend in the middle of the night. It's probably like one o'clock in the morning. Mind you, we are in downtown Springfield, which is probably the hood in the most sketchiest place ever. And I'm on the phone, this skinny little girl walking. And I'm walking past people, you know, shooting up. I'm walking past people who are like just eyeing me. There's cars coming down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get picked up right now. You mentioned something. So was he living with a family member at the time or he had his own spot? No, he was living with his mom and his stepfather. Wow, in that, okay, in the end, okay. Mm. And they were very well, they knew everything. That's Wow, okay, <laughs> not jumping, all. not jumping. Yes. No, no, no. So yeah, I remember just walking up the 10, min- 10 minutes at that time felt like forever walking towards my friend's house where she was at her boyfriend's house. Crazy thing is, her boyfriend and my so-called boyfriend at the time, they hated each other. Like they did not get along. So that was like, okay, you go over here, I'll go over there. So even if I wanted her to come pick me up, that was just more drama that I didn't want to cause because if they seen each other, they were going to fight. Like that's how bad it was. So I remember walking literally halfway and then it got to a point where my friend and her boyfriend ended up picking me up. Like he just took his mom's car and just drove down the street to pick me up. And then 20 minutes later, guess who shows up? And he's at the door. And I'm like, what do I do? But because I know that there's drama there, I again, I felt obligated to leave because I don't want to bring my drama to their doorstep and then hint something happened between them. So I leave. So I walked all the way back up there. Now I'm walking back down. 
it is freezing. It's cold. It's like there's it's snowing. I remember it was snowing. And I was quiet the entire time walking down there. He didn't say nothing to me. I get back up there and I just went back to the bed and just lay down and just kind of went to sleep or try to go to sleep at least. And now all the friends are over there now. They're smoking, they're drinking, music is loud. And I'm just like, okay, like I did not even want to be there. So I remember calling him to come to the room. (laughs) And he said, did I tell you to come out the room? And I'm like, yo, but at this point, I'm just like, what's your beef? Like, yeah, what's your deal with me? How did it go from like zero to 100 just real quick? Like you already set my clothes on fire. You already came for me. I'm here with you. I was just like, what is your beef? Like, I thought the reason why he went to go pick me up was to apologize to me, to talk about it. You know, hey, I'm sorry. I, I just blew up. I thought it was something. Give me some explanation. The fact that I went into the room and he didn't follow me after. And then he's just out there smoking, drinking with his friends. So at this point, I'm like, nah, I, cause I'm not a person where if I'm mad, I can't kiki with somebody. Like I can't just act like if nothing ever happened. If there's a problem between us, we need to talk about it in order for me to move forward. That's just how I've always been. So I wasn't going to go out, hang out with his friends or anything like that. First of all, why you? Why did you invite everybody over here? We're not on good terms. Like, let's talk about this. So when I went out to ask for him, that's what he said. Did I tell you to come out? So I was like, okay, well, can we talk? There's five guys in the living room, and I got hit again in front of all the guys. And I remember one of his friends saying, next time, don't be disrespectful. When the fellows are talking, the fellows talk. Was he like so, the leader of his of his little clique that he has? No. Wow, he wasn't even. Okay. No. At that point, I realized, okay, I don't even know what's happening right now. So I kind of just went back. And then that night, I ended up texting my friend. And I told her, hey, come up with something. We, I'm, I want to go back home. So it's not like we could say, hey, let's go back home. because, Or, hey, mom, can you come pick me up? Like I said, cause my mom didn't know where I was going. She need, Her cover was me. She was my cover. So I needed to text her like, hey, let's just go back. I ended up telling him, hey, we need to leave tomorrow. And, you know, at that point, I think he was just, like, overseeing me, just not even wanting to deal with me, which I was okay with. So we left. I think it was, like, two, two maybe two weeks, a week and a half, I didn't hear from him. But he was always on the chat line. You know, back then, you have the chat line, or you call the little hotline number or whatever. It was so bad. I would always call to see, like, is he on here? And of course, so that was another way they were getting these girls, these girls. through the chat. Oh my yes. Gosh. And the chat was so real. It was probably the dumbest thing ever, but the chat back then, you were literally like, you can set up your own. Yeah, you can set up your own personal message, press one to talk to this person. They set up dates, all of that. And again, I didn't know any of this. I, that wasn't my lane. I didn't do that. The only reason why I knew about it was because my best friend told me hey, her boyfriend heard him on the chat go hear what he's saying. Oh, my gosh. So he wasn't saying anything, you know, derogatory Mm -hmm. about girls. Like, he was just acting like that Romeo pimp, you know, trying to to find a girl to talk to, the next chick. So at that point, I'm just like, all right, well, I guess we're not together anymore. He texts me Thursday night, really late. Again, sweet talking, making up Friday night back at his house. So that's kind of how it was. 
it was just that cycle for a long time. When I share my story, I talk to my clients. I always say that after school Friday, that's when my shift started. <sighs> so I was a Catholic school girl. I was a basketball player. I was your model. I was this you know, straight A student Monday through Friday. Once I got out of school, that's when my shift started. And for two, almost two years, I became two different people. You know, like my mom didn't know what was going on. My best friend didn't know what was going on. I mean, she knew what was going on. She knew that I was in this crazy freaking relationship, but she didn't know to what extent. I didn't say anything because one, I don't know. How do you explain that? How do you explain that you're getting hit or that not only are you getting hit, but you're getting hit in front of people and you're looking like a whole idiot. You're looking like a fool. And then your best friend telling you, like, leave him, leave him. And you don't leave him. Eventually people get tired of telling you to leave that person where then you start feeling I'm all alone in this because she doesn't want to hear it anymore. So you stop talking about it and you just, you just take it. That was a long time I did that. So he ended up moving from the apartment and they end up moving to this house. This is, this is the trap house. So it's like a bigger space to a two family house. And his friends were at the second floor. His family had the first. And this is where it gets interesting because I would never see his stepfather or his mom at the apartment. Like I never saw them. They were always in the room. And when he moved, I would see them a lot often just because they were how the house was set up. Long story short, when it comes down to his family. So his stepfather was, I guess, the head honcho, the brains behind it. His mom knew everything that was happening. I mean, he would even hit me in front of his mom. You know, like, and she would just turn the cheek and act like she didn't see it. So that just led me to believe, well, then that not that, you know, I'm not her daughter. She does, I don't, I'm not anything to her, you know, so that's on them. That's, mm-hmm. that's his situation. That's on them. If they want to fight and she don't know how to act, then that's on him. Mm-hmm. But today I realized like they were all involved in it. So it's this 35 year old man teaching these teenagers I don't want to say they were in a gang because they didn't really rep a gang, but it just seemed like it, you know, it was like this really clicky thing and they were always together and they all had nicknames and all that thing. But they were hanging out at the house where they were smoking, drinking, and obviously they were selling, selling out the house. But yeah, he was like the ringleader of it. So I remember just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't catch a break because even the mom, there would be days that the mom would come and wait down the street on a Friday night at like eight o'clock. And I would be on the phone talking to him. Like, I'm not going today. Guess you are. My mom's down the street. My mom's waiting for you. He's like, you going to have my mom wait for you all night. And I'm like, I don't care if your mom didn't tell your mom to come. He's like, well, you coming. So it was like that back and forth battle. So when I told him I wouldn't come, he would call my house. <sighs> and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's calling my house. And he would just kind of mess with me. You don't, if you don't come, I'm going to call your mom. I'm going to expose you. I don't know if I was making money, to be honest, because who the heck knows if you're making money for somebody. But anytime these guys had like an itch or if they wanted to see something, he never passed me to them. It was more like, Sabrina, do it on me. Oh, and they watched. Seriously. Yeah. And because I was so insecure and I was so lost in this, I confused, I didn't know what to do. That fear was so overpowering that I'm just like, if I don't do this, 
I always thought of the last beating. Like, mm-hmm. is it going to be worse than the last? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, you comply, mm-hmm. you know, like you just, mm-hmm. you just comply. So, and he had emotional always... control over you too, because oh, yeah. he didn't have to say anything. You know, it doesn't sound like you, it was just physical. He had a lot of that breaking you down, you know, emotionally. And it was just like, you were there as the object in an exchange mm-hmm. for you being exploited, they were getting almost like a show. It wasn't a televised or social media sexting kind of pornography. It was live exploitation, literally. Yeah. And for a long time, that built on my insecurity because it, it was live for them, but it was also like a joke. You know, I was 13. What the heck do I know about sex? I didn't know what I was doing. So it was like, look at this little girl. She's doing it wrong. And they would laugh and they would mock. And it was just a funny thing for them. And it was embarrassing because I'm like, why am I doing this? It went from doing these things in front of all these people to then I'm being recorded. So then he was able to blackmail me with it. Anytime I wasn't complying and wanting to go over, so he would threaten to send those videos to my mom. Really? You want to try me, Sabrina? I have receipts. So essentially, was you were, he was recording you perform oral sex and intercourse. And it wasn't like you guys were in a closed environment or a closed room. Not all the time, no. So anytime it was like we were in the room, that's what he would do. He would, he would record. He knew exactly what he was doing. Listeners, let's take a break for a moment and talk about something very, very important. You might not have heard of this either. It's called J-Doe, and it's an app, a free app on you guys' Androids and Apple phones. This J-Doe app, is built by survivors for survivors, and it is to report sexual predators. These are the most important things right now that we can do right from our phones. So guess what? You get to file in an encrypted, time-stamped, and anonymous report of sexual misconduct. You're literally going to be able to hold perpetrators accountable without fear of retaliation. You're going to be able to avoid any risks of defamation and you can protect your identity from subpoenas. This is what I really think stands out the most. You get notified if the report is linked to a repeat offender. Do y'all hear me? A repeat offender. There is personal stories that I've heard recently where we are afraid to report an incident right? We don't even want to say where, when, who, and provide any kind of other details because it's just hard for us. We don't get believed. I mean, there's just so much stuff. But this app, you literally can do that at your convenience. Nobody even knows that you have this app to do that very same thing. Please check it out. It's J-D-O-E. J-Doe. If you want to check them out on Instagram, it's J. D-O-E Justice. That's J-Doe Justice. It's so sick and twisted on how he built it up to where it was like, you can't say no. It was just crazy. It even got to the point where he would threaten, well, if you ain't going to do it, I know somebody else that would. You already know her. And I was comparing myself to the to the ex-girlfriend. She was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'll call her, or I can call any other shorty that I got on my phone. Then I'll look like a complete idiot because I can't 
perform to your needs. So you're going to call somebody else, really? Did you ever find out what the point of her coming back and forth, back and forth, where they never end, they never ended the relationship? No, they never ended. They were working together. So she was part of the, so wow. she was the bottom or she was one of the bottoms. You had three of them. So the two that recruited me and then her, that was his main. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a complete operation here. And that house was a complete operation. There's just so many other stories that I can go into, especially like, because I was in Catholic school, so I would go on church retreats. He was so angry one day and I went on the retreat for the weekend. And I remember coming back and he was blowing up my phone and on this retreat, I didn't have cell service. So we would have to call from a payphone and using like a prepaid card just to, you know, call our family. We were up in like the mountains and we get back home and I'm reading all my text messages and he's just in habit to the point where I'm just like, all right, let me, let me at least go see him, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. That's how like, he coerced you into. Yeah. Let me at least go see him so he knows that I'm not just blowing him off. Why? I have no idea. I didn't owe him anything, but I did. And again, I was with my best friend. We had the pastor drop us off at a supposed aunt's house. And then we kind of were dropped off at this house and we went our separate ways. When I tell you that night was the, it's still triggering, especially when I hear this, the specific song that played at church because I correlated to, you know, that night. That oh my gosh. Right. Yes, and actually a movie came out about it, and I watched the movie, and I, my, we were in the bed with my husband. I'm, like, crying, and he had no idea why I'm crying. I wasn't crying about the movie. It was just that memory that came up. It was so real. But that night, because I ended up going to the retreat, and I didn't ask him for permission, or I didn't go, you know, see him for that weekend, I had to pay for it. So by paying for it, instead of going, Instead of being at the house where all the friends were there, he made sure to have me go from house to house to house to house all night, all night from house to house to house. Now, by this time, my mom is looking for me. My mom has the cops out. My mom is threatening my best friend. Like, you know where she's at. You're hiding her. I'm running from the cops as I'm going from house to house. And once he caught wind that my mom called the cops, the beatings were worse. The exploitation mm -hmm. was worse. He didn't care who the heck was at these houses. I'm performing at each house. I could say I probably went to like five houses until he felt like I'm just bored. Oof. That's when he dropped me back off at home. And that was at five or six o'clock in the morning. And my mom thought that I was just rebelling. She said, oh, okay, that's how you want to act. Get ready for school. Because now it's Monday. So I just went through hell the entire night. I'm at home at six o'clock in the morning. And now I have to get ready to be in school by 7.30. And I was just like, oh, oh. my God. Mom, if only you knew right. what I just went through. But I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, okay, I'll go to school. And I went to school. Shortly after, I'm throwing up at school. And I'm a kid that I had, I would never get sick. Never, 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 never. And so it was a private school. The school, the classes were small. There was like eight of us in my eighth grade class. Um, so the teachers knew us, like they knew us. So I'm in and out of the room, in and out of the room, throwing up. And she goes, we're going to go home. So I was like, okay, I go home. I call my mom. So that this, like the school was literally like not even a block away. Like I could just walk. I called my mom to ask 
to let her know that I was going home and give her, you know, get the okay for me to walk home. She said, yeah. And I call my mom and tell her that I made it home. And she goes, Sabrina, I'm asking you one question. And I said, what? She was like, have you had sex? And I don't, and I'm like, mom, no, she goes, are you pregnant? I said, mom, I don't know if I'm pregnant, but I will tell you that I have been having sex. Oh my goodness. Or you've been She's, being raped, assaulted, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. I think my talking to my mom, my mom started picking up food because during this time, while I'm in this, I'm also preparing for a sweet 15 oh. with my cousin who we're nine days apart. So we were going to do this together. So we're trying on quinceañera dresses and she's noticing, Brittany, you got a pudge. Like, <gasps> what's that pudge? Remember, I'm like no. a twig. I'm super skinny. So like you have a pudge and I would say, oh, I'm just bloated. You know, it's my period, whatever. Okay, whatever. So she, ne she never, she didn't even know the signs. It's my period. Okay, cool. Fine. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Until that day that I get home from school where now she's connecting the two and she's like, you're never sick. You're throwing up all day. Let me ask you a question. Are you pregnant? Mm. And I said, I don't know if I'm pregnant, but I have been having sex. When I tell you my mom flew from work, which she probably was like 25 minutes from, you know, the house. She got to my house and like, it felt like five minutes with two pregnancy tests. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if, what I'm scared of more. Is it him finding out I'm pregnant or my mom? Ooh. So we take the test and they come out positive. <gasps> so now I'm pregnant. At that point, I felt this weight lifted. Even though I'm in a really? whole situation. Yes. I'm in a whole different situation right now. But just the weight of, of finding out that I'm pregnant means that I can tell her that I'm having sex. I can tell her what's going on. I don't have to go back anymore. I know that she's going to be pissed off at me. But it was just telling her as much as I can by still protecting the image that she has of me. So I told her she was super heated. She wanted to press charges because at that point, it's statutory rape. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. I didn't even want to deal with that. I just was over it. I was just happy that I told her because I've been wanting to tell her for so long. That was just the perfect opportunity to do that. I remember the battle for almost four maybe five months was abortion 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 oh, oh and we would fight to the point where I didn't even recognize my mom it was like if we were enemies girl don't even look at me because we were just ready to hop on each other it was so toxic that my brothers they didn't even know how to look at me you know everyone found out not of what I went through but Sabrina's pregnant you know I would get the what are you going to do? You're just going to be, you know, another Puerto Rican chick on welfare. You're not, you're not going to graduate high school. How are you going to support this kid? And that's what it was. That's all I heard all the time, all the time. And it was hard to walk around the house for the first couple months, knowing that I was a disappointment, oh. knowing that my brothers couldn't look at me. Yeah. Um, and my father a, and, and it's still not a good place to now tell people really oh, no. what happened a lot of people don't and understand that once I found that I was pregnant and my family found out I kind of forgot about all of that because wow. now my my focus was I didn't want to talk about what happened you know my family knows how someone gets pregnant okay let's just keep it at that I just left it as y'all can think that I was just a teenager just opened up her legs 
I don't care. I didn't care. I didn't want to relive it. I just left it there. And I was just like, all right, I'll take it. You guys want to look at me as if I'm this little, you know, a little hoe or I'm just this little fast little Puerto Rican chick. I don't care. But that's what I was dealing with on top of that. I was dealing with my shame and just feeling guilty and feeling so confused and broken by myself while trying to figure out what am I going to do? But I remember in the hospital room, we went to my pediatrician's office and she told me, there's a pill that you can take that it'll, it's not an abortion. It'll just cause you crazy, crazy cramps. It'll be like a, a miscarriage. Mm. And I looked at her and my mom was like, yeah, we'll take it. I <gasps> said, no, we're not. Oh my God. And no, we're not. And she said, what do you mean? She's like, you said you didn't want to have an abortion. This is not an abortion. You're not, you're not having to go actually get the, the you know, the, the entire the thing. procedure. Right. Yeah. And I said, no. So I have my daughter. I kept my child. Um, Yes. I looked at my unborn child in my belly every day and I thanked her because she gave gave me my life. That was your way out. Right. That was my way out. Wow. And I didn't care. I didn't care what my new situation was, what I was about to face, how I was going to finish school. I was just so thankful that God had mercy on me. And even though it was just going to be another obstacle, she was my, she gave me back my life. So I owed her hers. So I'm not going to take away her life when she gave me back mine. And these are, these are all the things that are going in my head. Mm. But I didn't know how to explain that to my mom because she's thinking that I just, you know, had unprotected sex and I was reckless. And I said, no, I'm, keep, I'm keeping it. So for six months, I did not talk to my mom. And eventually she, you know, she came around and it's crazy because now they're like, <laughs> they're like besties, you know? <laughs> like hello but no, i exist here yeah <laughs> it's so beautiful i love it how did it happen with him knowing or did you wait a long period of time before telling him that that was his child no actually as soon as i i found out and um i called him and he said good luck trying to find someone who's going to take care of you in that case oh <sighs> So I said, say no more. Hmm. And I hung up the phone. And then shortly after, it didn't end. Well, the relationship with me ended. Because after you say that to me, those blinders came off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't cry about it. It it is what it is. It couldn't break you down any more further than you already were. Now you have a, you know, now you have a blessing inside of you. I remember making a promise to my daughter when she was born looking at her eyes i will not have anyone take advantage of me or you or anybody that comes up to me asking for help i will be that person and i still live by that today but with him he got reckless he came to the house a couple times waving guns in the air and it was just a hot mess but wow i I think he went he he went to jail for that okay it was like a petty charge because he was still a minor mm. but yeah then I, I just went on the grind I focused on school I did not have social media I didn't want him finding me even though I was I heard that he was there was also a time that I went I, my daughter was born already and she was probably four months and I, we went to this Puerto Rican festival and I remember seeing those two girls that I saw at the mall <gasps> and they're coming towards me and you know, pushing the stroller and they're coming towards me and I can hear them like, oh, he wants to see his seed. He wants to see his seed. That's his child. And I'm like, no, ma'am. So I looked at my mom. I was like, let's go. And she had no idea. We just got there. She had no idea why I'm telling her, let's go. And I'm like, let's go. 
we need to leave now because I didn't know what was about to pop off. I'm like, I have my kid, my daughter here. I didn't want anything to happen. So I just, as quick as I could, just turned around and we just left. And since that day, no social media, I changed my number. I ended up moving to Florida, but it was like back and forth. I moved back and forth from Florida to Mass. I just became a ghost. Wow. And I focused on school. I focused on just trying to figure out how to be a mom, but I did it. Yes, yes, you did. did. Yes. I graduated early from high school. I'm the only one in my family that has a college degree. So I, I did it. Yes, Yes, I did it. And it was a struggle. And then not so long ago, after I did this, you know, now I'm married. Now, you know, I have, I have kids with my husband. I remember telling my husband, I want to see him. I need to see him. Wow. And we met up. Did you? I didn't know. Yes. Yes, we did. I didn't. It was about seven years ago. So we met up at an Applebee's. And I'm thinking it's just going to be me and him. That's all I want. Just me and him so I can just talk to him, let him know what it is, how I'm feeling. Like, because I'm not hiding anymore. I didn't want to hide. I was done with it. He showed up with his wife and his three other kids. Oh, my goodness. And his <laughs> like, okay, oh well, my, da- my, my daughter has siblings. Okay, cool. That's good. And I remember his wife looking at me and just just asking, like, why do you hate him so much? <gasps> and I'm like, oh, Honey, so if you, have, you knew. If you she had no idea. idea. No, no idea. I could have been petty and I could have just, you know, exploited <laughs> her, her, right. him at this point. You know, but I was like, you know what? God's gonna handle you. I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna, I'm not messy. I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna break up that marriage. But yeah. I said, we have, we have history. Yeah. We have history. But the only reason why I'm here is to tell him that I'm not hiding anymore. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. My daughter's okay. And we will be okay moving forward. Absolutely. But you do not have any more ties to me. And that's kind of how I left it. And I just, Wow. I've been good ever since. That was a good closer for you. And it took you that long. And the the time comes. A lot of people don't know that, but the time comes. Yours is now telling it to publicly. Mine is now telling it publicly. But you going to see him seven years ago was a time where you could have, you just overcame that. And it was like, I'm out. Does your daughter know? She knows that her we call it a sperm donor for her biological <laughs> well, it's not easy to understand either so you she know. knows that I was in an abusive relationship she knows what I do for work she knows that it there is a correlation to my past and what okay. I do I just don't want to I, I don't know I don't I don't know if I want to be the person to create that image mm. for her because I don't want to scare her into one, like, oh my gosh, mom, you went through that. This and then, happen. right. Yeah. Right. And then her feeling bad that her sperm donor uh, was the one was that did that to me. Was the you know, so right. I kind of just like, she knows what she needs to know as far as like my past. But, you know, I think as she gets older, because I'm very, very transparent with all my girls, I actually have seven girls. What? Sabrina, wow. <laughs> that is I actually amazing. Seven girls. Yes. So it, is, with, it was meant for you to have these girls. I'm sorry. The Lord said, no, we're not going to give her none of those boys. 
seven girls. And I just asked God every day, like, why, why girls? <laughs> why girls? So with my daughters, I'm very transparent. My husband and I, we're very open. We have these open, honest, real conversations with them about trafficking and exploitation and recruiting and what that looks like and all of that. So they're very aware, but I don't think, I think as they get older, I would definitely share my story a little bit more, but I just want her to be a little bit more mature to understand like it's not her fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. And I do, and I do appreciate you and your story because you have more of the exploitive side of things mm-hmm. because like you said and I don't know if you can talk a little bit about your your anti-trafficking work do you work with minors and adults um is it you know you're in the field is it direct care manage you know management yes so I work on a mobile team right now oh wow so it is anti-trafficking but we're part of a mobile team so it's a mobile team that consists of a survivor mentor a wow. clinician and an advocate and we actually we actually go to our clients. So we have a safe house here where I live. Um, I've worked at the house before, and then I transitioned out to where I'm at now. But yeah, we walk alongside our survivors so that we we serve survivors that are still in the life that are getting out the life. And um, I think the age starts twelve to twenty-four. Wow. So yeah, we're serving minors that and is adults. Amazing. And it's and it, I mean, it is hard to believe that there's still you know, that they are that young and, you know, they're still, it's hard to get out of the life at 24. Mm-hmm. And some people go back, right? When even yeah. at that, at the past 24. Um, but it's important, like you said, with your girls and a lot of our kids that I see and I work with in the school systems and, you know, not believing our children and our teenagers and, and things like that. It's a very high demand right now for a lot of kids to be victimized and be exploited. And I don't think a lot of people understand that even you taking pictures, right? Everyone kind of understood the sex sexting. It could be as small as, oh, who are you there with? You know, or you're having sex with your partner and they ask, can I see? All of these kind of things are building up to more than what people think is, oh, that's just, like you said, sex assault or that's mm-hmm. harassment there's so many layers to try to have that talk with young people of a healthy relationship. It's like, I didn't think that I would have to in 2020 or, or 2019 want to have a curriculum on sexting because girls and boys are thinking that it's just automatic. Like send me a picture is after the third, like you got a number and I'm teaching the kids like, you know, have a conversation, what y'all going to do, you know, what do y'all major in school or what do y'all study in school and blah, blah, blah. It's like the third or fourth text is like, hey, can you send me a picture? I right. just told you, you have my information on Instagram. Why do you need me to send you a picture? And the kids don't know these are warning signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, what about a full body picture? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. For what? And it's that. And the thing is, that like, it's that easy. Where I, when I talk to my kids, I'm like, do you even know his last name? Like, can we get exactly. to the last name first? exactly exactly crazy but it's also that need you know like what need are you trying to meet especially for the girls that are feeling obligated to send these pictures what need are you trying to meet so for me it was that need that I I wanted to be seen I wanted to feel pretty I wanted 
to feel like, yeah, I was, I can compare to the rest. I don't need to have a thick, you know, a thick bottom or mm-hmm. a heavy top. Mm-hmm. I can, I can still look good even without it. So that was the need. I needed to feel just like, I don't know, just, I needed someone to big me up like that. Mm-hmm. So it was so easy for me to get, to fall into that because that's a, he was meeting that need for me in the beginning. He was the one that was telling me how beautiful I, I was. And he was the one that was telling me that, oh my gosh, you're the prettiest girl that I've ever had. So I was eating it all up. And, you know, I, I, it was just like, all right, keep telling me, keep telling. The more mm-hmm. he kept telling me, the more I believed it. I felt so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my gosh, he, he's head over heels for me. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It's, it you, these girls need to figure out, like, the, when you're, you know, when a guy is texting you, asking you these personal questions, what, what in your head is having you think, yeah, I'm going to give it to you? What need are you trying to meet? Is it because you're feeling lonely? Is it because you're thinking that he's, you know, he really is into you? Because at the half the time, that's not the case. You need to find yourself and your worth before you talk to any of these little kids out here asking for pictures or you know, no, 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 exactly. No, no, no. And what do you hope to accomplish with Girls Speak Up? And if you can give us an example of one thing that you're able to engage with the people that come become interested with Girls Speak Up. With Girl Speak Up, I want that just to be a platform that is just encouraging, empowering, and uplifting their mm. voices. Mm. Because for a long time, my voice was silent. You didn't hear from me. It was, Sabrina is a mom. She's on her grind. She's doing her thing. But yeah, what I had, there's more to me. I had to go through so much. I lost my childhood. I had to grow up. So it was like, speak up, because the minute I started talking about my story, even though it's still uncomfortable, it's still like, mm-hmm. you can hear the shame in, <laughs> yeah. this, in this, you know, in this recording. So it's like, it's still uncomfortable, but there's just something about it that is just that release. Mm-hmm. It's, you're releasing that and you're letting it go. And it's like, at the end of the day, it is what it is, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speak up about it. I'm not going to be held captive anymore. Absolutely. So I want girls speak up. To have these women that are, are boys and girls, I don't care who it is, to be honest, just to come to my platform, see see what I'm posting and feel like, okay, I, it's a safe space. I can share. I even have on there, it's a little app that they can even join me in a chat. You want to talk? Let's talk. Let's talk it out. I'm Sabrina. This is what I do. This is what I've been through. Let's talk. You want it to be a more personal thing so it's not all up on social media? Yes. Okay, then let's go talk. Let's go talk in the chat go join my group me so that it's just survivors. It's just people who have been through sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, and we're all just uplifting and encouraging each other. That's just what I want it to be. I want it to transform into so, so much. That's a really great quality, a really great, unique uh, platform because we have new things, right? We have the new crisis hotline where you could text if you know a survivor of trafficking you have the rape crisis line you have the mental health crisis line where you can now text and now you could just text your girl speak up group me and that platform and you could just have a conversation with another survivor doesn't matter which survivor and you said you always wanted to i've always wanted a safe house i wanted a safe house and not just a safe house for like the underage i've always wanted a safe house for both men and women because I think a lot of our men are are Absolutely. not even being seen to and it and it happens to them but yeah they need to be poured into 
I've always wanted that. So I'm, I'm definitely, yes. I'm putting that out there. I'm going to be working towards that. I don't yes, know how long that's going to take, there. but I'm definitely doing it. But as far as girls speak up, like, I just want everyone to know I'm not looking for followers. I'm not looking for that number to go yeah. up. I'm looking for broken people who just mm-hmm. want to talk. And I hate using the word broken, mm-hmm. but I mean, at one point you feel like that. So yeah. let's take that brokenness and let's make it beautiful. Let's make mm-hmm. it whole. Let's do that together because life is not meant to be done alone. Right. So I'm here. You want to talk about it? Let's talk. You know, and that's what I'm looking for. I don't care about how, how long that, you know, my page takes to get to, to reach people that I'm just looking for like those people. That's yes. where my heart is. So. That is amazing. That is yeah, amazing. I'm excited. We exist. Like we are like, we are on like the same level. Like I wanted to just reach that one survivor. Mm-hmm. And like, I have so many different voices that are coming forward and some have been told some, every time they tell it, it's a different, um, feeling and um emotion and i want to take back what you said earlier it is not shame that we hear it might be shame that you think that you feel but that all i saw was bravery all i heard was bravery all i heard was power all i seen was power girl because (laughs) we were there with you i could feel at that house i could feel when you were mad and you were like damn i gotta go from house to house to house and like we were there right with you and I appreciate the time that you took to tell that story because it is unseen. We don't hear a lot of the exploitation stories. Like no. that's still trafficking. Like he still had you harboring you, coerced you. You weren't getting anything out of it. He probably was getting drugs and money and for his parents were probably like, okay, this is the only way you're going to get a place to stay, you know? So he was getting yeah. what he was getting out of it. And that's what, DSEC and sex trafficking is. There should be no reason why a 13-year-old was in those conditions that you were in. And you, re- you gave us that information. People will learn from it. Now that we know that these stories are existing, what are we going to do to tell people besides, hey, girls, ladies, gents, boys, we are here to hear your story. And I know these wounds might still be open. And we're here to help you close them with some love and some, you know, compassion and some empathy. And we believe you, we hear you, we see you. But also, what what is the solution to like that one friend or that one peer who knew you during that time? And because um, I wasn't prepared for that. I had my friends and the people that knew me during that time calling me and texting me and saying, damn, Vic, I didn't really know that happened. And I don't have a comeback yet. I just, I just say, thank you for believing me right now, this day, 15 years later. What would um, you say? I, well, what are you going to say? <laughs> for her, I think she did. She did tell me, like, I'm sorry. I didn't know you went through that. And it was more of the thing where I appreciate the apology, but there's no need to apologize for something that I didn't even know what was going on myself. Just having her there to answer that phone when I was walking in the middle of the night, she was still there for me without even being, without even knowing, you know, what, what was going on. So it's not that I'm sorry. I didn't know. It's like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you because. Right. Right. It wasn't your burden. It wasn't your situation. It was 
my situation. Yeah, it was your it was her it was your situation and it wasn't hers, but at the same time, we just naturally feel like we could have done something if we knew and that's not really why we're even coming forward at this point. It, we're you know, we're trying to really educate and let people know that they're not alone. And this stuff is happening. I mean, I'm actually at a shelter in Hawaii. If you ever come visit, like, I hope that, like, one day, all of the survivors will all get together that were on Unseen. Hello, listeners. If you're out there, you got some moolah. I want to get all the survivors, and we're going to all come out to Hawaii. And you guys are going to see the shelter that I manage, where it's minors, and it's not necessarily just a safe house. It's really a place where they can come not it's not a secured facility um it's not somewhere where they can't be themselves so like if they're still trying to go back to the trafficker we're still trying to teach them about their situation because a lot of them don't feel like they're victims either they're just in here mm -hmm. with this you know we're just staying in here with a man and you know sometimes he hits them but that's how he shows he loves me so we're still yeah. in the processes of a lot of other shelters like domestic violence shelters that look very similar and I just wish that that one day we can all just come together and see what resources that are here now that we didn't have because I'm I'm getting kids at the shelter that are going through what you're going through and they're like yeah like you know so something as little as yeah I'm gonna go take you here but what you're gonna do for me for this um or oh you want some you know it's still it's still happening oh you want some weed okay well what are you gonna do with for some weed and you know that girl will be like oh well I'm not gonna do nothing but she will do something and then there's that there's that little Sabrina that's like, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. But, yeah. You know, that language. The crazy thing is that it's so like in your face now. You know, it's it's almost as if it's just oh, it's just a typical Wednesday. You know, like it's that easy to even talk about it that these traffickers or these exploiters are saying, well, yeah, I'll do this. But what are you gonna do for it? Like you mentioned, it's like casual. It's a casual conversation, and people are just blinded. Like. Like, if they're not hearing it, like, are did you just hear what he just asked? And these girls are just thinking, like, it's normal, and that's not normal. You should not have to do anything for anyone love based affection. off of a ride. Like, or, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Love, affection, or a need that you need. Be like, oh, I need to do something. Nah, I'll find it somewhere else. Somewhere else. Next, Absolutely. You know, that's what I want God to do. But it is crazy how casual it is to even just bring that up coming down to pictures in this conversation like we're missing the whole conversation like get to know you we're going straight from yep. oh your name is sabrina oh, okay well send me these pics exactly like, what about the get to know you part that's all gone and it's crazy how a lot of us are still even a lot of clients that i work with are still falling for that mm -hmm. just because they think like oh i don't know my worth mm -hmm. this person is showing interest Maybe that maybe this will be the one, you know, just that false hope, and it's it's a it's a scare. It's just scary. It's scary how how fifteen years ago, you know, when I was in there, I had no idea because I did not I did not identify as a trafficking victim until about seven years ago. I didn't know what the hell. I didn't know what exploitation was. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that that's what it was, you know. And it is, I still hate that word. I right. still hate. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're a trafficking survivor? Mm -hmm. Rena, what do you do? <laughs> but what does that mean? Right. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. this means that I was the victim of trafficking. Mm -hmm. I'm a survivor of trafficking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you were? Don't feel, I don't need yeah. your pity. I'm sorry. That's just me. Like, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But, yes, it, 
still happening. So let's be, let's open up our eyes because yeah, you just met, you probably just met your first survivor. Right. And that's the sad part because you probably have met many that you had no idea. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of these conversations definitely need to keep keep happening. And I think that's a conversation that we we just need to really have and, and close out is that stop looking for the girls that you think are getting taken. Stop looking for the white van and the 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 people that are gonna kidnap them. We know that that's happening, but the majority of the time our young kids, our boys, our girls, our LGBTQAI non-conforming, all of them, and I focus on the teens because that's the population that I work with now, and that's what happened to a lot of the survivors yeah. that I'm talking to is it happened at that age that they did it, it was right in front of everyone's eyes. They, you know, like you said, you were at the mall and you were just picked up at the mall. You weren't kidnapped. You weren't said, you weren't, hey, he's going to assault you tonight or a year right. from now. I went I went home the same day I was mm-hmm. recruited. So right. I went home exactly. the same day. Yep. yep. And it's you know and a lot of people don't see that. So we need to keep our eyes open. We need to have connections and talk to people. Put the phone down, talk to that girl, talk to that kid, talk to your kid, talk to your nieces and nephews and ask them, who is this person that you're with all the time? What are you guys doing? Yeah. What what yeah. what need do you want fulfilled what do you what what are you lacking that we can help you with have the honest conversation yeah that's very very important because I think and again I'm not I wouldn't blame my my parents but I think if I was to tell my mom how I was feeling my needs probably would have been met you know then she would have she would have been the perfect person to tell me no, Sabrina, you're gorgeous. You're beautiful. Aww. Like, look at all the things you're in. You're in modeling. You're, yeah. you know, you're in basketball. And even though I was doing all the things, I wasn't hearing it as much as I should. So I think even parents tell your kids that they're gorgeous. And it's something even it. with seven girls, I can't sit there and say that I'm the perfect mom because I still struggle. I have trauma, you know, so I, I still struggle with that affection. Mm-hmm. But I'm self-aware to know that I struggle with that. And for my parents that are listeners, tell them that you love them. Tell them that they're worth more than rubies. Tell them that they're gorgeous. You know, like, Father, step up and show mm-hmm. your, your sons how to be, you know, a man of God or just, mm-hmm. a, just a gentleman, you know, whatever it is that you want. Show them, to show them the right way so that they're not exploiting and using and being abusive to these vulnerable women or vice versa. Because, you know, boys, boys can get exploited too. So Absolutely. it's just all about knowing your worth at a young age, that's going to set the bar so high for someone not to become a victim. So let's close out with all the ways that we can contact the fabulous Sabrina Lopez of Girls Speak Up. So my Insta, I only have the Instagram right now because it's, it is my baby that I just started maybe a couple, a couple months ago. So you can find me on Instagram. The handle is um, Girls Speak Up, all one word. And then the group me, um, all of that is in the Instagram page. You can just click on the, the link that's there. I have attached it. Or you can email me if you ever want to just talk one-on-one at mm. girl.speakup61 at gmail. So definitely any of those ways you can reach me. Um, and yeah, I'm open to phone calls, pod, anything. I just want to just help each other, help our sisters, our brothers just lift their voice and let's 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 speak up let's just do this stop holding back anymore like 
they didn't hold back. Why should we? So now it's just like, I'm done. So let's do that not holding back. We are going to do it together. We are speaking up. Hey, it's Victoria. So thanks for tuning in today. That might have been a lot, but I appreciate you for tuning in, listening, and just being a part of the traffic truce. The time is now. And I also wanted to ask, if you want to share your survivor story, or if you have a topic that you just want us to cover to raise more awareness, let me know at Gmail or on Instagram, unseenttttpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram.